0: Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jackstraw Writers' Program.
1: Why are you so anxious? You've made maps, but the city changes. You're famished, but the bread you've eaten crumbles your bones.
0: This program features the work of 2019 writer Leanne Dunick. In the first half, you'll hear her conversation with curator Kathleen Flanagan, recorded in the Jack Straw Studio.
1: Will you describe the project that you're working on, Leanne? Of course. I'm working on a project I've recently retitled as Wet, and it's a book of lyric prose that takes place in Singapore. And um, I started it in 2015 when I was living in Singapore on an artist residency. And we were locked in our rooms during this time because there was a really bad haze happening due to the forest fires happening in neighboring countries. And so I was trapped in my my accommodation and it allowed me to start witnessing the construction of condo building across the street and from these observations it spoke to a lot of other issues in the world and this manuscript started writing itself in my head and I'm still working on it three years later. Nice. It sounds very similar to what's going on in the Seattle area. Well that's exactly it. As I'm from Vancouver we also had the forest fires in the summer that um, Washington State had and so I spent the summer of 2015 dealing with the haze and uh, particulate in the air in Vancouver. And then when I went to Singapore in October, I was still dealing with it, but on the other side of the world. So it was quite obvious to me that there's something wrong (laughs) in the world if everywhere I'm living is plagued by haze. So describe some of the characters. Describe the setting. Uh, The setting is an apartment building. In Singapore, Uh, the main character is a female artist and she's Asian-American. She's actually from Seattle. And one of the reasons why she's gone back to Singapore is because while living in America, she feels like she doesn't quite belong as a true American. And she also is having difficulties dealing with the constant violence in America. So she goes back to Singapore to hopefully connect with, some of her roots, and to get away from white people. She's prejudiced against um, Caucasians. And so, ironically, she falls for a Caucasian man in the story. And so he's one of the characters. And then there's another character of uh, another woman her age that lives in the same apartment building as her, and they deal with the haze together.
2: Are these themes that you have visited before,
1: or is this kind of a departure for you? Well, my previous book was called To Love the Coming End, and was about earthquakes. So I think that global environmental crises are something I would like to write about. <laughs> 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 but living on the Pacific Rim, I'm always thinking about natural disasters such as volcanoes and earthquakes. And though I haven't experienced one at full, and I hope I do not, it's always in my consciousness. And for this book, it shifted from earthquakes to global warming's effect on forest fires and in in the Pacific Northwest area. And so I just feel like I couldn't escape writing about it. It was very much in my face, and in everybody's face, really. I think you've really... Found a way to get out
2: of your your ordinary pace mm-hmm, for sure. Do you recommend
1: that for other writers? Uh, everyone's different. I like being in nature, so quite often I've been at residencies that are quite rural or isolated, and I like that. And so I just came back from New Zealand, and I lived in a rural part of New Zealand. And then the residency before that, I lived in Japan, Yamaguchi, Japan, on a mountain that was quite isolated. It was a half-hour walk to the bus stop, and the bus only came twice a day. So um, I didn't go anywhere for a month. I just stayed on top of this mountain, and I had a piano, which I didn't play, but because I was isolated with this piano, I wrote um, my forthcoming album on this piano and sort of can play piano now. (laughs) <laughs> so, I think it, there is a lot of value to being locked up somewhere. So,
2: it sounds like you're approaching maybe some kind of subject from multiple directions using your multiple talents. <laughs> and that brings up something I think is fascinating. How do you choose to express? something you're working on if, when you have so many
1: options on the table. A wise man once said, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. <laughs> um, Why is it never a wise woman? That these things? <laughs> I don't think he's that wise, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's just what came to my mind. I, I think that's true to some degree with me, though. I don't necessarily make choices. I just go with the flow. And so with the To Love the Coming End project... It came out as some songs, it came out as a book, and that's just what happened, and that's what keeps happening. I guess if I have some themes in my head and some sort of topic I want to write about, I will write about it in all the ways I can write about it. So songs or poetry or fiction or nonfiction. And when you write that song, you have a
2: band Mm -hmm. that can perform it, which is pretty special. Yes, yes.
1: My band is called The Deep Cove, and I love them very much. And I love the producer we work with, Jose Contreras. And we're just all on the same wavelength, and it's a wonderful, magical thing to come together with people and create a song or an album, and it's something I look forward to doing all the time. But that finding an audience, that is really
2: a difficult task,
1: Yeah, and I think one way we're finding an audience is that um, my band plays a lot of the literary engagements that I get invited to. So if I get invited to a literary festival, I often ask if I can bring my band or they invite my band. And so we get an audience through that. And I guess it's because maybe we stand out because it's not something you normally see at a literary festival to have a band. So we combine my readings from my book and, and music together in our performances.
2: I'm really fascinated, too, with the aspect of song, the, how much narrative or emotion can be carried just in the musical part without words, mm-hmm. and I love that you're a musician here to talk to me about that idea of, you know, less is definitely more. I've I've heard music that is way too full of words, mm-hmm. and how you work with that music to convey a story or an emotion without going too far and if that's something you have to learn
1: to do or... I don't know if I've successfully not gone too far. Um, This album is a concept album and the second side, because we're going to be printing this on vinyl, side B is, um, is like a 19 minute long song and It's mostly instrumental, but there are words at times. And so there are plenty of movements that evoke feelings. I don't know anything about music theory, so I can't say why that happens, but I'm sure there's a scientific explanation about why the music evokes certain feelings, but I am not the one to explain that. Yeah. I want to know a little bit about your background and how you came to writing. So, I've been very entrepreneurial my whole life, and I started my first business when I was 18, and it was in the music business. And by the time I was—I had been working in music since I was 15, so I was—from 15 till about 19, I started getting tired of working with musicians. And so I decided to open a clothing store, which I did when I was 20, and then I sold it, I guess, when I was 26. And decided I wanted to become an artist, and being an artist might be more lucrative than owning a store. Um, <laughs> now owning a store was good, but it was like a lot of feast or famine. So like you know, December is an awesome month; you make tons of money, and then January, February, you're dying. And so it's 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 a roller coaster ride. I was tired of having, and um, also being responsible for so many staff members. Um, salaries and having to pay inventory and rent, which is really high in Vancouver. I just did not want that anymore. So now I'm just responsible for myself and I may make very little money, but I don't have as many expenses as I did when I had a store. So I sold it and then wanted to become an artist and it took me a while to sort of get my footing about what genre I should work in and I often told to just focus on one thing, like visual art or or music or writing, but eventually I decided to own it and just do it all. And it's mostly working out so far. So what did that look like, that figuring out, were you taking classes? Yes, I took classes and was trying to make friends in artistic communities and trying to just hone my skills. And what were your first subjects? What drew you into writing? I used to write when I was in high school, and I used to play music when I was in high school, but I stopped all that basically when I opened my store. I was just full on into the fashion industry at that point. So I didn't really have any subjects that were standard ones, but um, when I first started writing, I started writing about my family. I have a Croatian-Chinese background and. I re- recognized that there were some rich stories in in my family histories. So I started to work on um, some text about my Croatian grandparents, and I had done some interviewing of my grandmother. And that was going well, and I got some really positive encouragement from a writer I had really looked up to about that project. But then my dogs decided to run around my coffee table a bunch of times and knock my computer off and smash it and I lost all the work I had done which surprisingly I was kind of I'm pretty good at like rolling with the punches and I wasn't totally devastated I felt like well this is just (laughs) I just gotta figure out what I'm gonna do next and and so the loss of that project helped me move into writing my own stories rather than someone else's and that's the way it's been ever since.
0: Now we'll hear a selection from Leanne's live reading.
1: So I'm going to read this excerpt that's from a manuscript I've just finished called One and Half of You. First, there were them and them and them, then more, faces mixed, A pocket here, a clan there, whole communities disappeared. And now there is me. I will draw you some maps. Birthmarks. Some have vanished, but then again, nostalgia distorts. Sometimes I forget that I am Chinese, that I'm not. I have two halves. Mountains, I try to move. Sometimes I'm not level and my wine spills. What does this mean for making a point? Dangerous between, unless you are the mover. Slow, slow crumbs of earth, elevation in my hands. My zodiac, dog, part pug, Shih Tzu, Pekingese, Definitely of Chinese descent. (laughs) Elementary school, small town of white kids, a community of First Nations. Recesses were inquisitions. Are you Indian? Unclear exactly what Indian means, barely understand Eurasian, a word my mother taught me while holding a globe, pointing to the ridges of Yugoslavia, the mass that was China. Europe. Asia, Europe, Asia, Canada, Eurasian, Canadian, you. (laughs) Mother, disowned by her own for marrying a white man. My brother doesn't look distinctly Asian or European, though he has our paternal grandfather's solemn, long-lashed eyes. In America, passers-by call my brother Elvis, Cops call him Spick. Friends call him Chinatown. His interests, the car he drives, the girl on his arm. The girl will never be Asian. They remind me too much of you. My brother Zodiac, he doesn't know. Rat. (laughs) Rat and I played where fresh water flowed into the Saanich Inlet mixed salinity, here life evolved to endure movement between, fresh to salt, wet to dry, warm to cold, land to sea, rippling in the ocean-bound creek, the largest snake we'd ever seen, it twisted in my grasp until its jaw took hold of my hand. Multiple times, hands around rat's throat, kicks to his stomach and groin but now we're grown. His BMW totaled. Rat called at midnight from the hospital crying, I don't think I can ever drive again. But here he is 23 years old with the shiny red growling car he's wanted ever since he was young. The Ferrari was trailered from California to British Columbia. It's never seen a day of rain in its life and to keep it that way, Rat buses to work. (laughs) So now I'm going to read from the project I've been working on while at Jackstra, it's um, poetic prose. It's called Wet, and it follows a narrator who is raised in Seattle, but has returned to her home country of Singapore. Um, During this time, there are forest fires there that have made the air unbreathable, so the public has been told to stay indoors. But despite this poor air quality, the migrant workers are still working on the condo construction across the street from where she's staying without masks or any kind of protection. So while she's staying safe inside her apartment, she's watching these migrant workers just Mm -hmm. out there working their long hours. Like gold and vermilion insects, builders scurry the sprouting structure. They cart trash, transfer beams, Assemble Scaffold, A Chorus of Metal Cicadas. In college, I learned about Mao's campaign during the Great Leap Forward to kill the four pests. Flies, rats, mosquitoes, sparrows. People banged pots incessantly to prevent sparrows from resting. Soft stones dropped from the sky. What other animals fell? 45 million people, my ancestors. In this block, poisoned food is left for pigeons, for cats, for dogs, the hungry. Dear pigeon, your body is a rain-filled cloud. Two strips of night band each wing The aurora of your neck must magnetize you to earth. Why are you so anxious? You've made maps, but the city changes. You're famished, but the bread you've eaten crumbles your bones. Hammers, drills, engines, chink of chains, hooked and linked, insertion of rods, hollow metal, Pegs, piping, language. An upheaval of earth where a sidewalk will soon be. Disappointed I missed the drainage pipe installation, and now the soil is leveled, and I will never know how such things work. Mother, soil of our drum and mouse. Somewhere there must be lagoons and marshes fecund. Here she erodes. Dust from dirt turns gaze into haze. She is solemn, skilled at holding her breath. Another morning, city, citizens, haze. Seattle gray sky without the much needed rain. Is this what the end of the world looks like? I lean on the window ledge, take in each builder. A man sings while he pushes a wheelbarrow. A group washes their boots with a hose. One washes his face. No one looks up. Nature is failing. She burns and burns, forgetting what it feels like to be wet. And me, a salted cup, waiting for damp. Nearby forests and oxygen scorch. I am a wick unblinking.
0: Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production, produced by Alyssa Keene and Daniel Gunther at Jack Straw Cultural Center. Our recording engineers are Daniel Gunther, Joel Maddox, Tom Stiles, and Ayesha Ubiatilaka. Our theme music is by the Bird Tribe Orchestra, produced through the Jackstraw Artist Support Program. The 2019 curator of this program is Kathleen Flanagan, and the narrator for this podcast is Alyssa Keen. The Jackstraw Writers' Program was inspired by an over-the-back fence conversation in 1996 between author Rebecca Brown and Jackstraw Executive Director Joan Rabinowitz. The program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. Special thanks go to Larry Lawrence for transcribing our writers' interviews. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jackstraw Writers Anthology. You can subscribe to this and other Jackstraw podcasts through your favorite podcast app. To hear more episodes and learn about our other programs, visit us at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.